0: That's all things considered. From NPR News, I'm Mary Louise Kelly. And I'm Ari Shapiro.
1: Next, in a year when many Democrats exceeded expectations, what happened to Georgia's Democratic candidate for Governor Stacey Abrams?
0: Could it be that perhaps it was too insular, let's just run the same playbook from four years ago and that's going to work? After the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Corva Coleman. Attorney General Merrick Garland is naming a special counsel to oversee the investigations into former President Donald Trump. That includes the attack on the U.S. Capitol and the discovery of top-secret documents at Trump's Florida resort. NPR's Kerry Johnson says Garland explained why he was taking the step. The attorney general says there are extraordinary circumstances. He says former President Trump is running for the White House again in 2024. And the current president, Joe Biden, is leaning in that direction, too. Garland says naming a special counsel underscores his commitment to independence and to accountability. And he says he's going to make sure the special counsel has the resources he needs to do that job. The special counsel is veteran prosecutor Jack Smith. He formerly led the Justice Department's Public Integrity Unit, and most recently, he's been a war crimes prosecutor at The Hague. Maryland's attorney general is releasing details of a report involving the Catholic Church. It implicates more than 150 priests in allegations of child abuse over the past 80 years. From member station WYPR, Scott Massioni reports.
2: Some people who say they were abused by Baltimore-area Catholic priests say the report brought vindication, but also opened old wounds. David Lorenz, Maryland director of the Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests, says the abuse by the Archdiocese of Baltimore was widespread.
0: We got a few details of what this report is going to be about. It talks about 600, 600
3: children who were abused. And that is just the tip of the iceberg. The Maryland
2: Attorney General is asking a judge for permission to release the full report that alleges the church knowingly protected priests over children. Victims are also calling for the investigation to be expanded statewide. For NPR News, I'm Scott Massioni in Baltimore.
0: On Wall Street, the Dow gained nearly 200 points today to end at 33,745. You're listening to NPR News. The disgraced head of a blood testing company in Silicon Valley has been sentenced to more than 11 years in federal prison. The former head of Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes, was convicted of fraud. She misled investors, saying her medical devices could test for hundreds of diseases with a pinprick of blood. A major winter storm is pummeling the Great Lakes region. It even closed schools and businesses in Buffalo. From member station WBFO, Dave Debo has more.
3: Buffalo suburbs woke up to as much as 18 inches of snow in some spots, falling overnight at a rate of 3 inches an hour. Erie County Emergency Services officials say even though some travel bans have been lifted, people should stay inside and let the plows do their work. Meteorologist Liz Jurkowski at the National Weather Service says as the snow coming off Lake Erie moves around, some places could get hit with another foot or two into Saturday. But then...
4: You should get outside, start clearing out some of that snow, and you'll wake up to a couple more inches Sunday morning.
3: For some, total accumulations could equal four feet. For NPR News, I'm Dave Debo in Buffalo.
0: United Nations officials are investigating reports of human rights abuses in the eastern Ukrainian city of Kherson. It was recently liberated from Russian control. U.N. officials say they're tracking dozens of forced disappearances of Kherson residents over the more than eight months that Russian forces held the city. I'm Corva Coleman, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from this station. And from BetterHelp, connecting people with a therapist online for issues like depression and anxiety. 25,000 therapists are available through BetterHelp using a computer or smartphone. BetterHelp.com slash public. And from Indeed, designed to be an end-to-end hiring solution for businesses of all sizes to attract, interview, and hire candidates, all from a single platform learn more at indeed.com/npr
2: hello 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 and welcome to the local edition Thank you for joining your Friday evening with me. Sorry we started a little late. We had a little technical difficulties, but we're here. It's Friday. We made it through the week. Congratulations. If you haven't heard this weekend, it's the 18th annual Art and Sixes. Small Works Exhibition opening this weekend and running until October until December 23rd. The DVAA is located on 37 Main Street in Nilesburg. The DVA says this exhibition has become one of the ultimate small works, works group exhibition in the, in the region. This year's exhibition will feature over 150 artists. And on the phone with us now is Ariel Schaumburg, the Ex Executive Director for Delaware Valley Arts Alliance. And Sina Bello, the Delaware, Delaware Valley Arts Alliance Gallery Director. I always pronounce your name wrong. I'm sorry about that. Welcome to the show.
4: No, you're fine <laughs> um thank you,
2: you yes yes <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on the the local dish on this great great uh you know uh you know uh festivals coming up uh see so, you know, last year some of the covid restrictions were still in place somewhat it was like staggered opening um you had a staggered opening uh we're two years out of the start of the pandemic by no means completely out of it yet uh, will there, will be any kind of re- restrictions this year in the opening? Cause, you know, the opening, if those who haven't been there are really great events. There are the, you know, the DVA is just packed with people. All the artists are there. Friends of the artists are there. It's just a really great night to see art. Um, and I'm not sure you, we haven't come back to that yet. Um, so if you could tell us exactly, you know, what restrictions are in place, if any.
4: Yeah. Um, we are having a few. <laughs> because we know that there have been a few larger gatherings that have happened for different openings that have become more or less a super spreader. Um, So this year we are still doing a staggered opening um, where our artists and members, we will be having them come in from 1 to 3, and then we are having our public opening from 3 to 6. But we are not doing timed entrances like we did last year. Um, It's just kind of an open general, but we are requiring masks this year, um, we are asking everyone to take a rapid test beforehand, um, just to, to be on the safe side. And obviously, you know, if you're not feeling well, please don't attend. <laughs> um, try and keep those germs, whether they're COVID or not, at home. Um, this, the show will be open through December 23rd, so you have plenty of time to see it. And um, we will be open Wednesday through Sundays, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. while the show is up.
2: Wow. Um, Ariel, this is the eighteenth annual R and Sixes. This has become a staple in this area uh, during this time of year. Many people look forward to it. Um what can you tell us uh what's new this year and what folks can expect?
3: Uh absolutely. Uh well, more great art for certain. Um, one of the things uh, that we're really excited about uh, is uh, Art in Sixes has always been an exhibition that's introduced us to new artists, new makers, new residents in our community. Uh, this year, Sina uh, and I uh, wanted to make sure that we were encouraged the next generation of artists. And uh, we gave out uh, six by six canvases to youth in the area 12 years of age and under. And got a really amazing and impressive response uh, from young people in the region. Uh, so one of the things is while uh, you'll be sure to find some of your tried and true favorites, as well as some unexpected surprises, uh, you're going to get a glimpse at uh, the next generation of uh, m- amazing artists uh, who call uh, Sullivan Catskills and the Upper Delaware Valley region our home.
2: Well, that's great that, you know, you're encouraging the next generation. I mean, that's what I always look at the Artist sixes for me is one, a lot of things are affordable in the, in the, uh, in the show, which is great. And you're able to see such a wider variety of artists. And I, I believe some of the artists are, are able to exhibit that mainly who may not ha- exhibit other places. Um, so it's great that, you know, you have that variety. Now you have the youth involved there. So. Uh, Sina, I don't know if you could tell us about the sort of the setup. You have so much artwork to hang, uh, hang up. I've been watching the Instagram. You have the, the little fast, uh, setup there. You and, and, uh, Rocky, I saw, I recognize Rocky, uh, setting yeah. up the, the thing, the project. Uh, can you talk about that process? Because, um, to me, I, I, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not, a. uh, uh I, I would, I don't want to sound too crazy, but I feel, feel like the, even the setup itself, it's an artwork in itself. Just because you have so many artworks to display and the, you, you know, Rocky has his grid system there, uh, when he was doing it and it seems that like you kept up the same, uh, way and, and just, you could just talk about that process of, of putting this, all this artwork together. Um, yeah. So, um,
4: some, m- since last year was my first, um, Art in Sixes install, um, you know, not overwhelming whatsoever um this year, I had kind of had more of a plan um of figuring out exactly what to kind of do to lead up to it um and yes, I do get the lovely assistance from Rocky, who is now well happily volunteering uh for us, and um we basically draw out grids um so we draw out like nine by nine squares in grid form so that we can kind of get an idea of how many pieces we're going to be having downstairs. And then anything that is larger really than a true six by six, we tend to put upstairs because we have all the space since we're using the whole downstairs and upstairs galleries, the Alliance and the loft galleries. Um, And with that, we just grid everything out. And then as the pieces come through and as we're unwrapping everything um we really just start laying everything out seeing what colors work best with what other colors um whose pieces really nicely like talk to each other on the wall Um, but we're going to have a similar setup to last year where there will be sections so every wall will have a section of art so you won't be completely overwhelmed um even though we do have a little over 500 pieces this year (laughs) um so wow. it is it is a lot, um, but you won't feel overwhelmed while you're coming through because, like I said, we do have um, all the walls are sectioned off. I think we have letters A through N this year, so <laughs> definitely a lot. And we have um, an entire section for sculptures as well. So it's a nice it's a nice mixture of everything this year,
2: right? Definitely. I mean, you, you're seeing the artwork coming in um, through this past couple of weeks. Um, you know, obviously, you know the. The show itself doesn't have like a full. I mean, I don't know if it has a theme or not. But all the gets coming in. Have you seen sort of uh, sort of a common thread between them? What uh, what sort of artists are bringing to you?
4: Um, we definitely have a few themes that go on, and the show itself has never really been necessarily themed. Um, it is kind of like an open call. Um, this year, I will say like nature, um, a lot of still life um, a lot of, uh, we were just discussing some of the themes that we've seen, but it's like seasons, seasons are always a big theme because you can bring every artist is able to bring up to four pieces. So there's usually always, there's usually a bunch that do a spring, summer, winter, fall, um, theme of some kind, but there's definitely been a few little themes here and there. Um, but I try not to necessarily group, all of those together, I like to have them all spread out, so they're, you're not just overwhelmed by the same style or same theme of images.
2: Right, that's great. That's great that, that you know um, yeah, there is like you know I, I just say imagine that there is a of theme. You know, I guess you see all the folks' response to this past two years, and i was just curious to see whether what people are bringing into the to the gallery. Um, mm-hmm. a- Ariel and and you know, I guess is it safe to say that sort of the art world is sort of coming back stronger now. You know, as I said, was, we we're two years out of the start of the pandemic and, you know, things are sort of going sort of get back to normal. And now we are Six is here and we have restrictions, mask wearing and pre-testing, but um, it's going to be going back to sort of way things were. And, and how do you guys feel about that?
3: That's a, a great question. Um, you know, in, in many ways, I, I don't think you can ever go back uh, after going through or being in even in the midst of a period of of what we are now, I think it uh it 's the kind of thing that leaves us forever transformed and puts us on on a path that is different from say where we were uh you know uh in the start of twenty twenty yeah. um, i think uh there's definitely a, a sense I would say in looking at the work in this year's show that reflects, uh, moving on from addressing COVID or speaking about some of the, the elements of isolation and, uh, fright that, uh, that period, that early period particularly filled, uh, us with. But, um, uh, there's a lot of exploration of beauty and tranquility. Um, there's a lot about process in this year's show, uh, you know, maybe uh, one could say almost a, a bit more of inward looking uh in some of the work than we've seen in the past. And, um, you know, that is really one of the things that I love uh, about the show is the requirement of Art in Sixes is that the artwork be no larger than six inches by six inches in any dimension. And uh, it's a challenge to express yourself and to explore if uh, you're a practicing artist, uh, maybe the themes that you would practice on a larger canvas or surface. So uh, what I love is, uh, and I get from this, is the, the way people are continuing to challenge themselves. Yeah. Um, and you see that in the work.
2: Yeah, and and I, I also to me it's been because I've been a, a participant. Uh, I've been an artist who's been exhibited at Art Sixes, and it's it, to me is a special time of the year because I get to meet the other artists in the area. So many all at one time. You have one hundred fifty artists who potentially come to the show, and you're meeting everybody. And I've met so many of my art friends from Art and Sixes. I mean I have Art and Sixes to think about the job that I have today. I, I was an uh an artist in Art and Sixes uh and Rocky uh asked me to come on on WJFF. I didn't know where WJFF was, never heard of the place. And mm-hmm. I and he got me on the air to talk about Art and Sixes, the show that was coming up. And I learned about WJFF, and I ended up volunteering and and you know here here I am and I'm working for them. So it's it's you know I've I was uh, Art and Sixes and DVA always has a special place in the heart me for that, but one of the things I liked most was the networking. You get to meet so mm-hmm. many artists all in one night. You see everyone's work, and you appreciate it, and you get to talk about it, and that within itself is so invaluable, because uh, you don't know where these connections can lead and, and what, what things you could be inspired about. Uh, do, do you feel that way, Ariel?
3: A hundred percent. The exhibition, if anything, is really about community and about uh, both repre- representing our community. Uh, as an exhibition, but also by bringing our community together, Uh just as you're describing it, you know, so many artists who I've met over the past five and a half years that I've been at DVAA have told me, you know, Sixes was their first their first public art mm-hmm. exhibition, right? Uh, The first time they, they were willing to put their art, uh, on a wall and be seen by others. And, um, you know, and, and not just seen, but bought. Uh, we have to say that, uh, Sixes is a great, uh, opportunity, uh, a great exhibition for people to discover, um, and own, uh, sometimes their first work of art or maybe their hundredth work of art, uh, to find a gift for a special someone in their life. Um, and sometimes that someone is themselves. I've, uh, I've, I've, Gifted myself many a wonderful sixes over the years, and um, I think that uh, you know when when you have an exhibition like this and you hit the kind of numbers that's you know was talking about over 150 artists, well over 500 pieces, uh, it just speaks to what an incredible creative community uh, we have here in the WJFF listening area.
2: Right, definitely. Uh, before we go, is there anything else I have not touched on Do uh, you want to listen to know about, either in 6s or anything else that's coming up uh, at the Delaware Valley Arts Alliance?
3: Um, I'll, I'll jump in here and okay. uh, say that... Uh, One of the ways that DVAA also supports artists and arts organizations in our community is through uh, our re-grant programs. And specifically for uh, visual artists and literary artists, uh, we have a deadline coming up of November 30th for our annual Arts for Sullivan Individual Artist Fellowship. Those are $2,500 fellowships that will be given to two visual artists in Sullivan County and two literary artists in Sullivan County and just another one of those great ways that DBAA supports uh, local artists. And uh, our community arts grants, which uh, go to nonprofit organizations or individuals partnering with nonprofit partners, uh, is a uh, another great way that we're going to be helping make sure that 2023 is um, one of the brightest, most creative and uh, artistic years in Sullivan County uh, that we've had yet.
2: Right. That's awesome. seen Sina, before we go, anything else?
4: nope Ariel touched on exactly what I wanted
2: to touch on <laughs> <laughs> great minds Perfect. think alike you know that's, that's what you have to say
4: yes.
3: indeed
2: so thank you so much both of you for joining us on here on the local edition uh, you know the RN6 opens up tomorrow November nineteenth. it's going to be a great exhibition just, just hearing all the artwork that's coming in it's fantastic so thank you to both of you uh, for joining us here on the local edition and good luck w- with this uh, weekend's exhibition opening and the rest of the exhibitions uh, that are coming up for the DVAA
4: Thank you for having
3: us. Thanks, and happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Yes, happy Thanksgiving
2: Bye. to both of you. Thank you. Rn Sixes, that's coming up this weekend. I said it's a great show. Moving right along, the New York Civils, the New York Civil Liberties Union, is one of the nation's defenders of civil liberties and civil rights. And we check in this month with NYCLU. We have an interview coming up on Tuesday's local edition, but we have an expert. We have a little small clip for you right now to hear from Brandon Holmes from the Hudson Valley NYCL to talk about housing.
1: I'm really excited. I think this is actually the first time that any, you know, news outlet will be able to report, uh, that we are building out our housing advocacy team. So we have a housing justice policy associate who is going to be doing a lot of work around looking at, um, you know, the way landlords are treating folks throughout the state, looking at rent throughout the state and increasing rent, uh, looking at, you know, homelessness and how we can kind of address that. And make sure that people know that housing should also be a human and civil right in this country, um, and that we need to protect people who don't have access to housing or create opportunities for them. Um, Really, at at the root of so much of the conversations that we're talking about, having a roof over your head, right, and a place where your family can feel safe, that is so important in all the issues we're talking about. We're also making sure that regardless of what the Supreme Court may do or whatever, you know, other bodies, throughout the country may do. We are protecting abortion access um, and we're protecting people who are trans or gender nonconforming through our, our state constitution and making sure that the New York state constitution is updated and amended uh, to reflect those priorities regardless of what happens if the United States constitution is reinterpreted or gutted uh, to make those folks vulnerable. And then we're also doing a lot of work around police accountability and oversight. We've got some uh, FOIA requests after the passage of 50A, which repealed the, the kind of veil on police discipline records throughout the state. We've done a sweeping uh, FOIA request throughout the state in dozens of cities across the state, um, including the state police where we are uh, you know, evaluating that and reviewing that. We're going to be releasing some reports so that people can know what has been the legacy and the history of policing in your communities um, and support advocates who are on the ground talking about ways to transform and reform uh, and improve oversight and transparency within police departments throughout the state. And then we're doing a lot of work around, as I said, the Communities Not Cages Coalition, that sentencing reform, and you know recognizing that over the past 50 years, New York state's laws have resulted in increasingly harsh sentences, predominantly for black, brown, and low-income New Yorkers, and looking at opportunities for judges to be able to review and reconsider individual cases. Um, also looking to eliminate mandatory minimums because those minimum sentences and those laws around them just drive mass incarceration and don't give judges discretion to actually evaluate the whole you know, case and the circumstances of the offense. Um, it's just an arbitrary number that was set in a tough-on-crime era, and we need to get out of that so that New York can start to undo some of those racist and oppressive harms. Um, and then the last piece of that coalition is the Earn Time Act. So, you know, we've seen research over years, decades, that longer prison sentences uh, increase rather than reduce recidivism. The longer you spend incarcerated, the more likely you are to return to incarceration. And New York has to shift its focus to rehabilitation and away from warehousing people in prisons. So we want to make sure that you know for the programs for good time and merit time programs that support personal transformation, um, such as the Bard Prison Initiative, where someone can get their associates or their master's degree while they were incarcerated, we want to make sure that people are being rewarded with good time credits and getting earned time off of their sentences to get them home to their communities faster so that all the work they've done and they put into becoming a better neighbor can actually be honored and acknowledged by the system so that yeah. they can return home and be able to use those skills sooner.
4: I just got to say what <laughs> I often say to people, which is imagine that. Imagine if the correction system <laughs> yes. focused on correcting, like <laughs> helping make yeah. people better to make our society better. I do want to circle back to the first thing that you said there that kind of like, like breaking news is that, that you've got, uh, going to be working on affordable housing at the end of July. The Times Union reported Kingston declares housing emergency ushering in rent control. And it's almost like, you know, it's like Caesar crossing the Rubicon. It's rent control crossing, uh, above, uh, Westchester County. It's like the first time upstate outside of New York City is looking at that issue yeah. in that way.
1: Yeah, it's huge. And um, I actually I live in Kingston. Uh, So the Hudson Valley Regional Office is led out of Kingston, New York, um, where just last week or maybe two weeks ago, advocates from a group uh, called For the Many, formerly Nobody Leaves Mid-Hudson and Citizen Action and other groups up here, they secured a 15 percent rent decrease for residents in Kingston. And I think that is something that we would like to see happen throughout the state. Right. It's no surprise that, you know, in the pandemic, uh, a lot of folks were concerned about housing. A lot of people were leaving their cities and returning to live home or people were getting roommates again for the first time in years to be able to afford to even live somewhere. And when right now where we live is often where people are working or where people are you know spending most of their time learning, getting educated um, during this crisis. That is just so important. It's so critical that we make sure we protect people's housing, which is why the New York Civil Liberties Union is investing in building out our housing policy team so that we can be more active and we can be more engaged in this. Um, So we're definitely looking at that. We definitely want to see, are there opportunities to protect people through legislation such as good cause eviction, uh, such as right to counsel, so that people have a legal right to uh, having legal representation um, in these disputes and also yes like rent decreases rent caps to kind of make sure that we regulate a market for affordable housing that protects all New Yorkers these are things that have been fought for for decades probably you know before I was born Um, and things that have always been central to predominantly you know again (laughs) the most impacted communities by all these other things we're talking about immigration um, you know, trans and gender nonconforming folks needing housing, people who need housing for mental health support, all of these things, but making sure that the state takes responsibility and accountability in helping us implement solutions um, to the current crisis, the current housing crisis in New York State. So we're definitely excited to be expanding into that. And I hope that, you know, the next time we talk, I'll be able to be sharing some victories and some high note celebrations of the things that we've learned and been able to fight for with some of the people who have been in that housing space for a very long time.
2: And that does it for the Local Edition. Thank you so much for joining us here on a Friday coming up. For you is the Mixtape. You listen to the Local Edition on WJFF Radio Catskill, Jeffersonville, w three e 3 h Monticello. Thanks to my guest, Ariel. And Sina from the Delaware Valley Arts Alliance. And thank you so much for joining us on a Friday. The mistakes and all, we made it. So have a great weekend. Have a good night, Lucy. And here comes the mixtape.